Welcome to the People of Packaging Podcast, brought to you by Specrite. Specrite wants you to envision a world without waste. Join the movement at specrite.com backslash PKG. Hey, that's right. It's another episode of the People of Packaging Podcast. I'm your host with the Holy Ghost, the Packaging Pastor, Adam Peak. You can find me on TikTok at Packaging Pastor or on LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Adam Peak. Wanted to talk real quickly about a new sponsor for our podcast, Spark Packaging. Are you sick and tired of the same positions at your plant constantly being open or just not being filled? Maybe your facility just isn't retaining talent due to not having dedicated recruitment support. If you need contract to hire support, or you are looking to hire directly for industry professionals, Spark Packaging can help. Spark Packaging is the industry partner who provides all your recruitment and staffing needs. And and basically, listen, we all know we need a lot of that right now. If you're one of those people hearing this and thinking, hey, wait a second, that's me, then you can go to sparkpackaginginc.com backslash hiring. Once again, that's sparkpackaginginc.com backslash hiring and answer some of their questions. Once received, a Spark team member will reach out ASAP. And hey, if you get there, just tell them that I sent you. That would be awesome. Thanks so much. And let's get to this next episode. All right. I am here with my my latest friend in the sustainability <laughs> and packaging uh, journey. Uh, I connected up with Corey, actually. I think you had a post on LinkedIn that was about uh, stolen goods mm-hmm. and finding stolen goods. And I just commented, mm-hmm. I did. I said, like, there's a really expensive solution for this. And um, and that's how we connected. And then I reached out and I was like, man, you've got some really cool products and a great background and you should jump on uh, on my podcast. So I'm I'm joined here by Corey, Corey Sholabo. He is the president and COO at Wile. He's got a, a whole bunch of other interesting ventures that he's done in his past and he's currently doing with uh, Kaboo and um, just posted about some funding from Serena Williams. So there's a whole bunch of things that we can go go down the road here on. But Corey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad people are really talking about this because this is the whole uh, secret sauce that's behind everything that everyone's concerned about with sustainability is what's the packaging. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, I've I've long said this since I started my journey into kind of social content creation about I guess it's like 8 years ago now in the packaging industry. I was like, how come nobody talks about this? It's this massive industry and no one seems to care to communicate about it. And so I was just dumb enough to throw my throw my hat in the ring and say I'll I'll give it a shot. Let's see see what we can get done. Uh, no, I so, mean it's not it's not considered sexy. That's the problem. No one wants to talk about the details, how it gets there. They just want to talk about the beautiful design and the tastes or whatever. This is how the this is how the sausage is made. So this is great. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, uh Corey, I thought it would be helpful if you share a little bit about your background and maybe how you ended up in in this position where you are starting companies and kind of where that entrepreneurial bug came from and all that stuff. So uh, there's nobody, I could read off your LinkedIn profile, but that's going to be really boring. So we'd love <laughs> to hear from really you. really short. Uh, I, 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 I have a strange, many, I've had many careers. I worked in the film industry for a while. I went to USC film school. 
was in that business, worked for brands. And there was a period where brands really wanted the entertainment industry to be their one of their most primary drivers of buzz and marketing, which I think is a bit saturated at this point. But at the time, it was the whole enchilada. So I had clients like Tiffany's and Mac Cosmetics. And our goal was to you know create interactions, partnerships with celebrities, films, the entertainment industry, and then promote them. And it really was driving sales on a massive level. It's really the beginning of that influencer market. This is all before there even was a Facebook. Um, so then I went and was an editor at a magazine for a few years, um, uh, an LGBT magazine called The Advocate. I was the arts and entertainment editor. And, you know, between working on giant brands that kind of, you know, selling more makeup doesn't really help anybody, even though I think Mac is a good company. Um, and, you know, also even being in the gay rights movement, it, it really seemed to me by the age of like 28 or 29 that the central issue over all of these issues is whether or not there's going to be a planet when, when this is all said and done. And I really was intrigued by the environmental movement. I was, you know, this is the time when, you know, NBC was doing the Green Peacock and Adrian Grenier had like the first show on sustainability and packaging. And I met my business partner, Lauren Groper, um, and we founded a company called Repurpose, which makes compostable tableware. And our goal was to bring, we were seeing, you know, we were living in Los Angeles in, say, 2009. You went to a lot of places and you would see compostable forks or plates or what have you at your coffee shop. But you couldn't go and purchase them at a store for your home use. When you went to the store, even if you were the greenest of green, you're buying Chinette and Dixie and Solo. And it was very odd to us that there was no... Um, alternative. So we created it. It was a very long and difficult road, but we became the player in Whole Foods and Target and Walmart and CVS. We got into all the retailers. And, um, you know, that was a really interesting journey. I stepped away from that uh, because it was a long journey and uh, was approached by my now current business partner, who I went to high school with, to start a product line for women in perimenopause, believe it or not. And I hadn't thought about it at all. And then my other business partner, Julie uh, Kuzinski and I, who did the, the branding for a while, she did the branding with me on Repurpose. Um, she and she was also talking to me. She'd never met my other partner. And then my friend, the actress, Judy Greer, and I had always wanted to do a business together. And she was getting gaslit by doctors and starting this phase of life. And so it just seemed to, it was like this weird kismet moment where every woman I know, these smart women were like, this is the future we need to do something. And I was like, oh, I can I can help here. I know how to operate. I can help build this. And the white space was insane. Uh, you know, basically the the women over 40, there'll be more women over 40 than under 40 in, in a few years. Um, most women don't have their period longer than they do have their period. We don't need to go into all the women's health stuff, but it's just an obviously strange white space where no one offers products to 50% of the population for 50% of their lives. It seems absolutely absurd on the face. And I mean, we don't have to go to patriarchy, but it's really just patriarchy. I mean, that's all there really is to it. I mean, I'm a man, but it's pretty obvious why, because we don't do this to men. Men have a whole shelf full of products after they right. turn 40. So anyway, that's what brought me to that. And then uh, simultaneously, after I left Repurpose, I was uh, asked to consult on a company called Kaboo, which is just like Repurpose is the leader in compostable tableware. They were the leaders in sustainable paper products, you know, paper towels, toilet paper, et cetera. So I'm essentially their de facto CMO, but just a strategic advisor. I did their rebrand for them. I launched a direct consumer site for them. And now we're doing some really interesting packaging innovation with them as well. So I keep a bit busy. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it, it's, it's pretty uh, rare 
that I I talk with somebody and I would say, yeah, you've got a you're doing about as many things as I do. Like when I try to tell people <laughs> what I do, I'm like, well, I I run the sales team for a company and I host a podcast and I wrote a kid's book and I'm helping my son uh, launch. Uh, he's 15. I'm helping him start his own business and launch a product and uh, and I'm coaching high school basketball. Yeah, it's like and I'm on three nonprofit boards. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those things. It's it's always it's always really refreshing to meet somebody who's like, no, no, I'm crazy just like you. Um, yeah, crazy is good. We need crazy in the startup business. I I totally agree. So so let let's. I, I want to talk about this the the while while right the women's yep. health product. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long has it been around? And we were talking before the show about some of the initiatives that you are participating in when it comes to packaging specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe let's, let's go down that, you know, that rabbit hole for yeah. a little while here. Yeah. So obviously I started and work almost primarily in the green industry as far as CPG is concerned. So when we started this company, my first thought was of course, well, how do we make it green? What are our game plans? Um, do we have a subscription business that is an initial bottle followed by a refill paper pack that would be 100% compostable. And you realize very quickly with economies of scale, which is a topic we can get into, you know, that's not going to be possible at launch. Not if you want to keep your minimums really, really low, keep your overhead low and, and test and learn, which every startup needs to do, right? You need to put a product out to some group of people and find out if it really works, even though you've proven it in the lab. Um, find out if they like it, even if it works, who cares if it works and they don't like it, especially with some of the things we've made, like we have tinctures and powders and drinkable powders as well. So flavors involved and, um, consumer behavior is involved. So, you know, you're kind of stuck with whatever you can get off the shelf, frankly, when you're really, really young. I mean, you could, you could focus it all on one product perhaps, and then build it that way, which I've seen some people do. We weren't really doing that. We were offering a suite of products. So we needed to kind of go with the off the shelf packaging, which unfortunately for us meant plastic bottles. I couldn't even buy PCR because the scale at which I could get PCR bottles initially, we're not, we're doing millions of dollars a year and it still doesn't make financial sense, frankly, to be in PCR. It's something that we wanted, are going to do anyway, but you have to have such buying power and you have to buy so much stock in advance in the supplement business to be in PCR. So that was one of the initiatives we realized we couldn't launch at least at start with the with the subscription refill business outside of bottles, um, although that's coming and that's great. Um, you know, down to like, do we do stick packs versus tubs? Okay, how much plastic is in a tub that we're going to put all this powder in versus how much plastic are in these unrecyclable, you know, in some cases lined stick pack containers? that then go in a box that are then usually wrapped in a plastic wrap. And there's all kinds of legal ramifications too. Everything needs a plastic seal. Um, You know, you need a neck wrap for the tinctures. You need these heat seals for the bottles and all of those come with their own ecological ramifications and frankly buying power. So I would say the the name of the game is buying power. If you're Gaia, you can probably make a lot of changes because you can buy the quantities you need to get where you need to go. And I think as a startup, it's almost impossible, it seems to me, to start a supplement business very green or, or with green as the initiative. I will say as a side note, our whole message was we're trying to help women over 40. We're trying to solve the issues of perimenopause and menopause. 
to add a, that we're a super green brand as an element isn't really gonna, it's not really, it's confusing, right? It's not really, oh, and they're green. Like to push that message isn't really gonna help us in the beginning. We're trying to convince her that we can help her in the first place. So it also didn't have, I felt, or we felt a huge upside in the beginning. As you become a big company, it's the name of the game. You know, it's the price of entry. You're going to A, get in trouble with your retailers, but B, get in trouble with your consumers if you don't move towards a green initiative. And, and we launched on Grove as our first partner, who, as you know, is getting out of plastic by 2023. They have this huge initiative to do that. And they were they were, they were comfortable with this process. I will say as a partner, they were comfortable with plastic, PCR, and then question mark, what comes next? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's I, I'm in the Grove working group right now, and we're in all these meetings with all these brands. And it's fascinating. I don't know. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I don't see, unless you're, you know, Dr. Bronner's, a lot of solutions for companies under ten million dollars. Yeah, it, it, that's. It, it's such a great point that, you know, in working on this side of it in the packaging world, and then also being a little bit public facing in like through like TikTok and LinkedIn talking about packaging, like the general consumer, at least the feedback I get is, well, why, why can't we just make it all compostable or why can't we make it all, you know, uh, recyclable or whatever the things Mm -hmm. are. And it's like, well, there's, there's economics. Like I talk about sustainability in these like four buckets where it's like the product, like it's got to protect the product. It doesn't help anybody to throw something in, you know, you talk about stick packs, like compostable stick pack film and your product's going to go bad in two months. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have to sit on a retail shelf for a month and a half. Like mm-hmm. you're just going to throw away a bunch of stuff. That's not sustainable, right? Uh, the product, the planet, and there's a whole bunch of different LCAs, depending on who you talk to, to judge whether or not it's good or bad for the planet. Uh, your people, is it on brand? Does it work for them? Which we've already talked about. And then also your profits. And like, that's this ugly word, but I'm like, if, if sustainability is not also profitable, then it's not actually sustainable. In the sense that like, it will not sustain a business. Like you can't, if you can't sell your product at the price point you need to, then it's not helping the women you're trying to help. Mm -hmm. And so what, so I, I really appreciate you being honest with that because I think a lot of people are like, well, yeah, just go, you just go buy the things. Cause they have, they have this Amazon mindset of like, well, I just buy stuff and then it shows up at my house. It's like, that's not how B2B transactions work um well it know, does I, but no one wants to pay 60 or 70 dollars for a bottle of pills i mean i'm at right. a premium price point to begin with at 39.99 but that's right for our customer but yeah in order to have all the things that everyone's looking for and the carbon offsetting and everything we would want to do from the get you know we'd have to have a 70 dollar bottle of pills or 80 dollar bottle of pills and then then we could potentially back down over the years, but that's not generally how people go, right? You start here, Mm. you start less green, unfortunately, and then you get economies of scale that you can green your supply chain over time and then message that to your consumers. But you got to decide what your primary goal is as a company. And if your primary goal is like at repurpose, our primary goal is to get rid of plastic and styrofoam, to convince people to get rid of plastic. So that's a very different initiative. My primary goal with this company is to help women over 40. And it doesn't help me. It doesn't help them. Yeah, if I can't, if the product's too expensive, it doesn't help them if the product doesn't protect the, the the ingredients inside. And it doesn't help them. I was just in a focus group. I think we were talking about, we're showing my product and some other products. And another brand has these really really tiny bottles, like really really flat and squat and short, and they look like makeup bottles. And 
and they were like, you know, everyone didn't, the brand did not do well in the focus group, their brand, but they love, somebody was like, well, you know, and that's green too. Look at, they didn't use a lot of plastic and, and, and I, that's important. And I was like, that's a good point. But you also rated this brand poorly. You also didn't like the design and you can't read anything on the bottle because it's so tiny on shelf. I mean, everyone hates that there's all that cotton and that extra bottle, but have you ever tried branding a consumer, a, a supplement line and getting it into a 50 CC bottle, like a tight 50 you can't see it. You won't see it on the shelf. It looks like a sample size. So yep. in order to get the customer to even, you, you, it physically has to fit in the hand. It has to be readable. And you're really looking at 150cc or above if you're even going to get a single message on that bottle. And people don't take that into account. Yeah, I can make it as green as possible. You'll walk right by it and I'll go out of business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Man, you are you are uh, you're speaking my language here. It's <laughs> because because I think what you're highlighting is is the complexity, and you know you you guys are in y'all are in like a retail. Yeah, we're in Whole Foods and Walgreens. We gotta we gotta get right. our attention. Right. So you're in retail. It's not a, it's not a strict D to C e commerce play, mm-hmm. and so there's a whole world, and then. Imagine if you then scaled into like the club stores and then there's a whole other world in in like a club store environment. So the the general consumer, I think, doesn't always fully appreciate or understand the struggle that you just laid out. But it's literally the struggle that almost every single brand goes through. I mean, you you mentioned, you know, these there's bigger companies that are that are doing things at scale that have a little bit more weight, but even they will struggle with competing with one. I mean, I know a large CPG once that bought the global supply of post-consumer recycled HDPE for a whole Mm -hmm. year. They just bought it, which meant that their competitors who had all these goals set out, they were going to achieve all these things, could not achieve those things because the supply of HDPE, PCR HDPE was gone. They couldn't get there. Well, nobody knows this stuff, right? Like, no, it's, People and, think and, it's limitless, you know, even with bioplastics, like we make compostable cups. There's only like a few factories in the world where you can get that made. And everyone at Repurpose, when we were talking to investors and people would say, well, oh, you got to get this in Starbucks, you know, I, to the point where when we first started raising money, I would be like, we're not going to Starbucks, like go sit down, like calm down. Um, and you know why we're not going to Starbucks? Because there's not enough poly uh, polylactic acid in the world to supply Starbucks. Even if Starbucks moved tomorrow and set up the supply chain, we don't have the inventory to make compostable cups for Starbucks in the global economy. So that's A. B, they're never going to do it because it's going to cost one one hundredth of a cent more and they're not going to do that to their stockholders. But I don't think people realize that, you know, there's going to be. And as an investor, I later had to be like, yeah, we're going to go for Starbucks because, you know, everyone wants to hear that unicorn bullshit sometimes. But the reality is I couldn't even if I wanted to fulfill that just out of the pure reality of how many things are on the earth. And people don't realize that same thing's happening right now with um, post-consumer recycled paper, paper towels and toilet paper. Mm -hmm. There's no more post-consumer recycled paper. You know why? Because no one goes to work and there is no more office paper. That's where all of it was coming from. And now post-consumer recycled paper is more expensive. It's harder to find. And it's really helping the bamboo market, the sustainable bamboo paper market, because that market's kind of cratered. But people don't, you know, I'm not blaming people. Why would you think about this crap? But like, you need to know that there's no more, there's not right. enough paper being used to be recycled right now. 
I went to one of those, uh, you know, like take away shred it facilities where they, you know, they take your documents and they go shred them. And a friend of mine owned one when I lived in Colorado <clears throat> and, and I'm like, wow, like talk to me about the business model. And he said, yeah, the people who pay us to take away their office documents and shred it, that's, that's actually a small portion of our revenue model. The back end mm-hmm. of shredding the paper and selling it to paper mills is where that's where the money's made in this business. And I'm like, oh, that makes a yeah. ton of sense. Well, if you digitize it all, which I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I'm just saying like if to your point, if you digitize it, then you pull you pull recycled paper content out of the out of the entire stream and and, and you get these you get these issues. Uh, well, it it sounds like you've spent a fair amount of time and energy and effort uh, thinking and and talking about packaging, we just have a few minutes left here in the in the podcast. But uh, I'm I'm guessing that there will probably be an episode two uh, where we can <laughs> we can we can dive into some more of this. But I wanted to uh, give you a chance to to just kind of promote and talk about uh, your you know both these companies that you're with and maybe how some people could get involved with uh, either just buying products or uh, for for a while or uh, you know, what kind of what you're doing with with Kaboo and how could they get involved with that as well? Yeah. Um, so with while you can go to whilewomen.com. Um, we uh, sell direct to consumer, obviously, is a huge part of our business. We're also in all doors of Whole Foods and Walgreens um, and Fresh Time right now and are you and out on Grove. Um, you know, this is this is a product designed to treat all the mood states and help support all the mood states and physical states of women over 40, which include perimenopause that include hot flashes they include things like we have a product called unanger and unworry um you know tinctures that actually help you with mood states um and uh they're all formulated by the naturopath all clinically proven you know if you if you know whole foods they're kind of the de facto regulator in the supplement industry so if you can get into whole foods it's pretty pretty good sign of science um and then with Kaboo, you know probably the most interesting to your listeners you know this is the leading brand of of uh bamboo paper towels and toilet paper, but we've done some interesting innovations. We just created um, an adult flushable wipe that's actually certified flushable, which people don't even realize there's a certification for flushability. And California just passed a law against uh, labeling law for flushable wipes because they're literally ruining the septic systems of major cities. Hmm. And we've built sort of an alternative to that, which is great. We also just for Whole Foods, they wanted a paper wrap skew, no plastic. And they wanted a small footprint. So we just launched um, paper wrap, toilet paper, and paper towels, no plastic. And that's one of those interesting things where, you know, everyone wants them at the retail level, but will consumers pick them up? You know, will consumers adopt to even small sustainability changes? And we've seen, at least at the natural channel, conversion. So that's a really promising sign that people aren't obsessed with having that plastic wrap might might be willing to allow a dent or a crinkle here or there in their packaging. You know, everyone wants everything perfect all the time, which is the the other enemy of all of this. Right. Um, so those are some pretty interesting initiatives. And with them, we just built a, a planet relief program where even though we're made from bamboo um, and we don't cut down any trees, we're going ahead and planting uh, a tree like a one a two for one model. So basically, at the end of the year, we take all the bamboo we used and we buy an equivalent amount just for just as of our charity um, of planted forests in the United States, because really tree free sustainable products like that, the bamboo 
we're not buying it because it's bamboo. We're buying it because it didn't cut down a tree. So we've mm -hmm. focused all of our efforts on actually sustaining our forests in the United States and in Canada. And so that's a really interesting initiative that we're working on now, too. I love it. I did. A, I actually did a TikTok video at uh, I was at uh, Costco and I said, how come all of our paper products are wrapped in plastic and our plastic products are in paper boxes? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, Very you see true. like you see the like the like the food wrap that's in a it's in a yep. paperboard box and then you go buy your paper towels and it's in a plastic wrap. And I'm like, have, have they not talked? Like, it seems like we can. Well, uh, you know, that's I know I, consumers I won't move it. Yeah. 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 Consumers, consumers are going to have to change their acceptance of a little minor inconvenience. And I don't know if they're ready to do that. They won't. They didn't like that sunflower chip because it was loud. Like they <laughs> when you have compostable bags, guess what? They're not going to hold up to your kid throwing them in the parking lot as much as just pure plastic is. And, and no one you might have a dent in an aluminum bottle that you buy. Are you willing to make that shift? I mean, so far, consumers are saying absolutely in focus groups and absolutely not when yep. it comes to purchasing. So it's yep. a it's a it's a devil, you know, devil. What do you call it? Catch 22. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Catching the <laughs> catching the devil 22 times or something. Catching the devil 22. It's a lot of devils. It's a lot of devils. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Corey, I really appreciate you coming on and and really sharing. You know, there's a lot of young packaging engineers who listened to this in college, recently graduated from college. Great. And, and so uh, just at least from the feedback that I get. And so just sharing that journey, I hope encourages some people to, to not only connect up and follow what you're doing and, and, and see about some of the initiatives that you're bringing to market, but also just kind of walking through that process of developing packaging for an emerging CPG Mm -hmm. is is really helpful and useful and no one's really ever done that on the show we're you know, oh. over 160 interviews in so wow uh, well, i think that was to do it that was really that was really great and i'm glad it it came organically which was fantastic <laughs> uh, i mean just don't just don't let uh perfect be the enemy of good that's the name of the game when it comes to packaging amen well Corey, how would people get in touch with you if they had any more questions is linkedin the best way to yeah linkedin is up? great it's just Corey sholabo um I mean, I have my full name at LinkedIn and uh, uh, or you can email me at Corey at wildwomen, all one word dot com if you have any questions um, and uh, happy to help in any way I can. Fantastic. Corey, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.